0: We have reached week five of the NFL season, and that brings with it our first four buys. Players returning from IR and suspension and starting to identify what teams might actually be the truth. Today, we'll dive into all those things, review the latest rest of season Best Ball at each position, and forecast the week ahead. Let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I'm your host, Justin Herzig, and we've got a lot to discuss. Starting off with the big news. Three big names were able to come back this week. Jonathan Taylor, Jamison Williams, and Cooper Cup. If you've managed to stay in contention with them on your team, you are for sure anxiously anticipating their return. I don't know. Let's uh, let's discuss a little more my thoughts on each and kind of uh, how we should kind of be considering these going forward. So starting off with JT, recording this Thursday right around noon, Jonathan Taylor just had his press conference with the Colts, with the media, and uh, Key Takeaway says he's 100% healthy, says that contractual contractual issues were an off-season thing, health was his primary goal, now he's healthy. He was asked, do you want to be a Colt? He said, I'm here now. He's a Colt. My expectation is he's not happy about it, but he's going to play this season. And Colts looking pretty good, may actually be in contention. They're a playoff contender the way they've been playing. And if you look at, I think, the division, everyone's 2-2 and in that division right now. So um, it makes complete sense that, like, this is a business decision. There's a lot of money for him still to make this year by playing as well as, hey, I'll play this out. There is that ankle injury that has, says 100% healthy, but like, yes, there's an increased chance of a re-injury there. I think earlier in the offseason, we were also a little concerned that like, hey, the Colts are just going to be so bad that if he does maybe have a little injury later on, that they kind of just like ignore him, neglect you know, he kind of just like uh, sits, does a sit-in with an injury at the end of the year, kind of like we saw with Lamar in the past with contractual issues. Uh, but I think for this year, I think you can kind of play him with confidence. Um Assuming he's back, he's going to play full, which I think is the case. You know, maybe it's a week or two kind of ramp up or something, but I think he slots in from like a rest of season standpoint is maybe like an end of second rounder, maybe beginning of third. Um, The downsides here are, I still think there's going to be low high value touches, meaning not catching nearly as many balls as he was in the past with someone like a Matt Ryan or someone at quarterback, or Hey, if they had Gardner Minshew, Um, I think that, Around the goal line, you're still going to have Anthony Richardson as the primary back. That doesn't mean Jonathan Taylor is not going to get any of them. Maybe actually this hurts Anthony Richardson a little because if you think Jonathan Taylor, if they think Jonathan Taylor is a step up above Zach Moss, which obviously he is, but around the goal line. um, But I do think like, hey, he's still going to lose some of those goal line touches. Maybe Moss has earned a little more of a role. Maybe they don't want to just completely use Jonathan Taylor as a workhorse. There's always that kind of ambiguity in these situations. Um, especially when you kind of consider the off the field kind of dynamic, and again, yeah, ankles. We know there's a slow kind of ramp up off ankle injuries as well as re-injury potential. So this is why like I'm not going to say like, hey, he is that end of first rounder um, that you know, honestly, we saw at the beginning of the first a couple of years back. I think even if we saw him maybe be like considered a beginning of second rounder if you didn't have all these kind of off field issues. But I think slotting in end of second, maybe early third uh, feels about right. Next, we'll go with Jamison Williams. Um, I think for Jamison Williams, I think we need to keep expectations tempered. Um, This is a run first team in the red zone. This is Amon Ra is still going to be that target leader. Josh Reynolds and Sam Laporta are not going to go away. You still have Jameer Gibbs as well. Uh, So like there's a lot of mouths to feed on that offense that yes, you have a dome. It's an efficient team. Jared Goff, especially at home, looks really good. They like to throw the ball. But in the red zone, those touches do. And we saw it with Dave Montgomery getting all those last week. It's still not going to be like a high touchdown season for James Williams. And you're not going to have much volume just because of all of the other mouths to feed there. So my expectations is I think there's going to be a bit of a slow start. He hasn't been in the building with the suspension. He's not allowed to have kind of been in meetings, have that connection on the field. Um, haven't really seen much of a connection on the field with him and Jared Goff. You see the reports that yes, like he's catching a 100 jugs passes a day. So like, okay, good to know he's actually out there you know, doing his job playing football. But I think most importantly, like he's catching them jugs. They're not catching from Jared Goff. They don't have that connection. We saw it kind of struggle in the end of last year. Or so I mean, hey, I still love the talent. There's still that kind of boomer bust possibility um but i think we need to kind of expect a slow start and keep the t- expectations overall tempered and then for the rest of the team i'd say it's a slight downgrade for the rest of the pass catchers not named Amon Ross so Josh Reynolds he's not disappearing but i do think he's the one that probably Jamison's uh routes kind of eat into the most Laporta just an overall kind of you can only have so much of the overall sh- target share um Yeah, and we'll see what happens to jumeir Gibbs if he's kind of continues to ramp up. Okay, and the third one, Cooper Cup. Um, I left this third because I think there's the most kind of uh, just unknown in this one. So let's start with kind of the word coming out of the Rams. It is limited in practice this week on Wednesday. Coaching saying that he's not yet at 80 to 90%, that they really want to get him to that spot before they feel comfortable playing him. that gives me just based off that. That gives me kind of like a, I think it's unlikely he plays in week five, and then I think he will play after that. But it might be kind of a slower ramp up if it's still taking time to get to full health. The other thing that I need to mention is that rumors are swirling around this week that there might be a long-term injury with the um a longer-term injury. That not to say he wouldn't play this year, but it's something that can kind of um you know hey re-injury issues. I don't want to go too much into the warmers. Apparently we're going to learn more that there'll be a leaked on Friday. So we'll see more there, but um just want to like keep an eye on that. Most likely, I think we see him back on the field soon. My guess is week six, but this injury combined with combined with Puka showing out the creative role of Tutu often in motion at the line, as well as how much, like, hey, this team is leveraging Kyron, especially in the red zone area. I don't think we should expect Cup to have this kind of target monster overall wide receiver one season that we've seen in the past of his upside. Um, but I do think, like, if you're redrafting, assuming he's back week six, we'll see what the news is on all this. Um, could he be, would he be, like, a second rounder in fantasy? Yeah, I think that's pretty plausible. Okay. So, um, Going ahead, I mentioned earlier, like, hey, this is the time. Now we've had four weeks of football. We're starting to get a kind of feel for what actually teams might be decent. Um, You know, we can't don't want to overreact to too much with small sample sizes only four games. But uh, that is almost a quarter of the season. So uh, I took a look at the futures market, trying to get a feel for, like, where I think there may be some value. Uh, I think the most fun betting kind of futures for games is looking at that Super Bowl, although the odds usually aren't that great. If we look at the Super Bowl odds, you have right now 12 teams that are at 30-1 to or better. Obviously, a team outside of this could win, but I think this is probably a fair breakoff for the teams that I think have legitimate shots. So you have, I'll go through these quickly, but 49ers at plus 550, Chiefs at plus 550, Eagles and Bills both at plus 750, Dolphins and Cowboys plus 1,000, Ravens 1,600, Lions 1,800, Browns 2,500, Bengals Jags and chargers all at 30 to one plus 3,000. Um, from these, Hey, beginning of the season, San Francisco has been the team I've been most bullish on. They've looked the part, but I'm not going to be betting at plus five fifty this, this far in advance. Even if they go into the playoffs as the number one seed, I think that plus five fifty might drop down to like plus 300. Um, so you're really not getting that much value this far out in advance. Um, from these i think dallas is the team that i like the odds the best we haven't really seen them utilize the passing game much but we know that they have a very strong defense great offensive line i think if it needed like that team has enough to compete i think that you have a strong enough quarterback and some offensive weapons and dak but really that defense is the kind of defense that i think can disrupt a game enough to really put them in contention so at 10 to 1 um i do not hate that that's probably my favorite of these super Bowl bets um Now, where I think there's actually a little more value, um, like where I think you know, hey, you're not going to have the long shots as much, but taking a look at the make the playoff bets odds. um, So all these are according to DraftKings. You can find them on their site. Uh, First one that really jumped out at me when I was going through um, is Atlanta at minus one ten on both sides. I think they're probably second at second or third best in that division. If you look at the odds, they're considered to be third, um, and I think that. For this division, yes, you have the Saints and Atlanta having very easy schedules. Tampa as well, too. I mean, just because of hey, who those divisions, who that division matches up against, as well as the in division games. I think it's highly unlikely that any team outside of this division advances the playoffs from a wild card spot. I think it really is. Hey, win this division and move on, or you're busto. And in that scenario, we've got Atlanta at minus one ten 110 on both sides. Like I'm taking them at minus i'd be taking them at one minus 110 to not make the playoffs when i think they may be the third best in in that division and i'm getting you know hey almost 50 percent on that And the similar you've got saints at plus 110 to not make the playoffs and the big thing here is again i think you got like a three-headed kind of competition here if you remove them having that wild card chance um and most importantly, I think for the Saints, is that they've lost at home to Tampa this week. So for tiebreakers, that's really big when you've already lost your home game. Um, I think this is like, I like this at plus money for them to not make the playoffs. And again, like, it's not to say that like, hey, Tampa is the team that's going to. Um, because if we're betting both Atlanta at minus 110 not to make it, Saints at plus 110 to not make it. Um I just think there's enough ambiguity and uh, the fact that no, I I don't expect anyone from this division to make it um, to, to make the playoffs as a wild card side of things. Then we have Indianapolis Colts at plus two seventy to make it. I like this one where I mentioned earlier, Hey, everyone in the division right now, you've got the Colts, the Titans, the Jags, the Texans are all two and two. No one is really a standout preseason. We were really bullish on Jacksonville's offense um, through four games. We have not seen that come to fruition. Um, maybe Trevor Lawrence just hasn't been able to make that, get that, that jump that we were hoping for. The biggest downside to this bet though, is that the Colts did lose to the Jags at home, hurt their tiebreak. but you're really here kind of making a bet that the Jags are just not that, not as good of a team as we we're hoping. And when you're taking a plus 270, almost getting three to one on a team that is, you know, Everyone in that division is two and two. I think Tennessee has too many holes with that offensive line and the defense isn't as good as it's passing wise, as it's been in the past. Houston obviously is the darling with the offense and CJ Stroud, but I think that two and two is a bit of a mirage. Um, and that team is just so hurt. So I like India plus two seventy to make it here. Um, those were kind of the ones that really stuck out to me that NFC South division. And then the Colts on themselves, when I was looking at kind of the um, opportunities to make the playoffs there, Continuing forward, let's talk some more rest of season best ball. Got some good feedback that people really enjoyed this and have been diving into the drafts. Um, what I'm going to do for today is kind of quickly just go through, um, you know, if you missed out on the macro strategy elements last week, the Thursday show, I really dove into um, really recommendations on how we should be approaching it from a strategy aspect, from a positional basis for today, just going to do updates around where I see are the biggest values and um, if you look on the ETR, um, we have the ETR rest of season top 150. I also put out the best ball, um, the rest of season best ball rankings for the resurrection. Um, comparing it for the DK is where we can really find some value. So starting off at the QB, I'm going to go three or so at each position. Deshaun Watson's ADP is 111. We haven't ranked 85. It's 26 spots ahead. Uh, Lamar Jackson ADP is 42. I think it should be a second round of 20 spots ahead here. And Anthony Richardson, ADP 61. haven't ranked 46, 15 spots ahead. This position, when you have a lot of other guys that we think are being overdrafted, if you look at like the Purdy's, the Jared Goff's, the, um, those groups that are going in the top 100, but I don't think they should be. It makes these actual guys that we see as values that much more um, more valuable to our teams because a you are not only getting Um, some leverage and getting some edge on these from the specific positional basis, but also in not drafting those others that are being overdrafted. Um, And I'm not, I can't really go into why I think these guys are being ranked where they are. Like, I don't understand at all why Lamar is going with an ADP of 42. He's scavenging 20 some points. I think at like 21, 20, eh, actually that's on happy. He he might yeah. He's averaging twenty plus points a game. Might be close to like twenty four or something on DK scoring um, through the first four weeks. We're seeing him using on the ground. He's obviously been dealing with injuries in his pass catching core. But uh yeah, just, some of these just don't make sense. So hard to really give you know takes on why they're being drafted with there. Uh, from a running back wise, I think this is just a hey people who we haven't seen perform yet are just really 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 uh, falling in the rankings. So Kendra Miller is going 198. We've got a 141. That's 57 spots spoke on, touched on him last week. Uh, Josh Kelly going 180, got him at 132. That's 48 spots. I think this is one where people, you know, saw what the upside was without Eckler and he doesn't catch passes. And I completely get that. But I also want to remember like, Hey, in week one, when they were actually running the ball doing it efficiently, both of them were had a very good game. And so I do think that, like, there is a world where Josh Kelly, A, you could have the Eckler re-injury, but also, like, even with Eckler back, Kelly could still be a flex-style play. um, I don't want to overreact to some of the games that we saw this week um, and think that, hey, if Eckler was to miss more time, time, that Kelly couldn't actually get in the end zone, be used a little more, make a bit more of a run-heavy offense. Next one, Justice Hill, ADP 163. We have him 116. Uh, This one, yes, he's nursing the injury, so we haven't really seen him. And I think people are just kind of like, I don't know. He was was one of the top waiver ads when J.K. Dobbins went down and it looked like he was going to be like the 1A back here. Um, The problem is like, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. If we can get this health under control, I think there's a decent value there that he could play still that 1A or at least... Um, have a decent role in kind of a committee uh with Gus Edwards and yeah, the Melvin Gordon. He had two big plays, but I think he did on a very, very small workload. So I'm not expecting that to substantially increase. Fourth running back I'll jump on is Elijah Mitchell. Uh ADP is 169. We've got him 127. It's 42 spots, I think, um, for this one. The downside is we're not getting the role on a weekly basis that we were hoping with regards to like a flex play. And we have heard from the coaching staff that they don't want to use CMC as much as they have. But when Elijah's hurt, like kind of forced the hand, my value here is that if CMC goes down, I think Elijah Mitchell is probably one of the best handcuffs in the game, assuming he can be healthy. Um, and 169 for one of the best handcuffs in the game is just way too um, cheap. Okay. For the wide receivers, uh, we're gonna pick three guys that are either virtually not being drafted or going at the very, very end of drafts. Starting off, Jonathan Mingo, AV of two hundred nine. We've gone at one thirty-four, that's seventy-five spots. Uh, Second-round rookie that got a lot of kind of positive praise during preseason, during camp. Has struggled with some injuries early on, and we, you know, the injuries aren't great, but we always kind of expected a slow start for most rookies, and especially Jonathan. And Jonathan Mingo falls into that as well. So no reason he should be all the way back at 209. He has just decent upside where, hey, Thielen, old 30-plus-year-old Thielen, maybe he gets hurt, maybe he wears down. There's no one else in that offense. They say they're going to be in the trading market for a number one wide receiver. If that doesn't come to fruition, can Jonathan Mingo just increase his role and elevate to be that? Possibly, but like I'm willing to take that chance way before pick 209. All right, next one, Traylon Burks is at 182. We've got him at 112. That's a 70-pick gap here. It's a combination of uh, he just hasn't done anything this year, and he's been struggling with injuries. I don't want to change my priors too much from he was a first-round draft pick. He looked really good from most statistics in his first year. We know that the Tennessee offensive line is really tough, and Tannehill has not looked great, but I still think, like, I want to miss a bet on talent, and – uh Again, 182, way too low. And the third one, Rashad Bateman. His ADP is 214. That's literally not being drafted. And uh, he's back at practice as of Wednesday. Yes, like he seems to be technically injury prone. He seems, when he's been in the field this year, just hasn't been able to put it together. But he still is a fantastic talent. He's still probably the number two wide receiver in a Baltimore offense when he's healthy um for someone that is literally not being drafted that is that's insane all right and the tight end side oh these tight ends are difficult but uh, the macro that i'm seeing is that you just can't really find like great late late round values anymore that we were finding in the preseason um and you know in, in the off season where you had these kind of younger wide receivers you had guys like hunter henry um you can still get someone like a hayden Hurst or i very late there's still some minor values but what i'm seeing is that i think the guys um, that have the elite upside, they're underperforming is really dropping them. And that's where we're maybe seeing some value. So starting off with Mark Andrews, ADP of 40, we've got him at 26. Again, him and the Lamar thing, I just don't understand. I really just don't. And pick him every time in the third round. Uh, Next, sorry, I just threw up my mouth. Kyle Pitts, I know, disgusting. But when his ADP is 121 on a PPR site like DraftKings, we've got him at 106. Like we're still very not great on him at 106, but that's still 15 spots ahead of the 121. And when we start getting into that area of 121, all the tight ends are starting to look like crap. So the difference here is yes, you could wait another, you know, five rounds and grab a different tight end that looks like crap. But here we actually have some upside that maybe this is some health things. Maybe he does continue to kind of keep a little bit of a slow start and gets healthy, but has the ability in the playoff weeks to still put up those big weeks. We've still been seeing him use downfield. Maybe they move to Taylor Heineke and Taylor Heineke is able to connect with him a little more. There's just like too much upside with minimal risk. Like when he was being drafted in the 60s and 70s during the regular season, like, yeah, that was a substantial amount of risk. Now that he's going at 121, um, Go look at the ADP and see who else is being drafted around 121. I'm not sure anyone else has as much upside there. So now that I've thrown up though, uh, it is what it is. Okay. And one more Dallas Goddard. Uh, Dallas Goddard is being drafted at 103. We have him at 89, 14 pick difference there. Um, and for Dallas Goddard, I think it's just kind of a, with AJ Brown and Debunta Smith healthy, just hasn't been getting the amount of kind of usage that we've seen when only one of them was playing or um, when there might have been an injury or such. So, like, yes, our expectations need to be a bit lower here, but he still has been getting substantial first looks. Uh, the coaching staff has basically bent his squeaky wheel that I do think a breakout will come. And so this is a similar one where it's like, hey, at pick 103, where he's going, like the cost isn't as high as it was before, but we're still getting a nice role. He's still like not killing your teams from a weekly production based off his usage, but you also have the contingency aspect of, I think two things here. One is weekly contingency, just of Eagles, great offense. They make him a folk apart. They find a mismatch. We've seen them do this in the past and he ends up with nine, 10 targets and big games. Or the second is maybe we do get a Devonta Smith or AJ Brown injury. And in that case, I think Dallas Goddard is the one who elevates the most uh, in that offense. So still like him at that value. And again, one quick note, especially like in those wide receivers, the running backs, like we were seeing gaps of 75, 70 some picks. This does not mean that you should be drafting Traylon Burks at 112 or Jonathan Mingo at 134, but keep an eye on him. And Hey, you know, Traylon Burks' ADP is 182. Maybe you take him at 165. If You think Jonathan Mingo, he's at 209. We have at 134. Maybe you start taking him in the 16th, 17th round or something. Um, Don't give up substantial rounds of value when you can still likely get these guys much later. Okay. Now, moving on to DFS and the week ahead, four teams on by this week. Uh, so with that, new am trying to go off the top of my head here, but I feel it's Tampa, Seattle, Chargers, and Cleveland. I think that's right. Um, so those four teams on by, when we have these buys, we have smaller slates. So uh, overall ownership ends up getting a bit more compressed. Um, so just to kind of keep in mind when we're going through things, for me, I think there's three kind of big questions or you know, uh, th- focus areas for this week. First one is, do you trust the Bengals? The Bengals are a three-point favorite versus Arizona, 44 and a half total. Um, but if you're looking at kind of ownership and optimizers and all that, we've got Jamar Chase at 7,900, Mixon 6,400, and Tyler Boyd 4,500, all popping as values, assuming T. Higgins is out for this week. Um, and then even on the up opposite side of the ball, you've got Marquise Brown at $5,000, Zacherts at 3500 also popping in at models. So how you play this game, especially for cash for tournaments, is going to be really interesting because, I mean, we don't see those guys at those prices in a game against Arizona where it's a team total of about 24 points. And, I mean, Cardinals, it's not a cakewalk, but they've still given up 30-plus points in two of their games. They gave up 20 to Washington, then 31 to the Giants, 16 to Dallas, and then 35 to San Francisco. Um, could this be the get right game for Cincy? I think it's possible. Um I can't see myself. I think in tournaments like the play is probably to fade this game, assuming those things, assuming those guys are at high ownership. You could convince me maybe to do like the uh, Joe Mixon side of things. I do like Arizona, like Marquis Brown at 5,000 might just be too cheap. Like that might be one of those ones that like, Hey, you just plug into the lineup, uh, given his role. Um, I I'll probably fade the Zacher to 3,500. I think there's a couple other options that I like this week, but that's just how I'm trying to think. I think that's a key game that we need to be thinking about. Um, next one, sexy game, Kansas city at Minnesota. Mahomes and Kelsey might be the most popular stack this week. Both are projected kind of to be at, uh, be the most owned or right at the top owned at each of their positions. Uh, First look similar to how I liked the Josh Jacobs one last week. I think I like Pacheco um, as kind of the leverage off of that stack, given his increased role in the past couple of games, um, ability to run against Minnesota. I like this one. And then also There's lots of late stack options with this game as well, given the 425 start time. So this is probably an interesting one where if you want to get creative, you can build out that Mahomes and Kelsey stack. You can build out a Cousins and Jefferson. You can get lots of pieces in this game. And then in your early pieces, you decide to go contrary. Because if you go chalky early on and you hit, you didn't really gain anything on the field and you don't know what should you do in the later games. If you go chalky in the early games and you miss, well, you miss and it doesn't really matter anyways. But now the other door is you go contrarian early in your games and you hit. Now you can go chalky in your later games and you've already got substantial leverage in the field. Or you go contrarian in early games and you miss. Okay, well, now you can go contrarian again in the later games and maybe you hit off of the chalk, um, you know, and the chalk kind of boss, and now you find some leverage there to get some kind of a, maybe not a full, you know, an elite finish, but maybe at least like a min cash or something. So uh, for tournaments, that's where I'm probably going to be looking at some options of how can I stack uh, one of these later games um, while going contrarian in the early ones. And then third, my favorite game of the week is Philly versus the Rams for this one. We've got uh, I mean, so high paced offenses on both, mostly um, concentrated target shares and kind of usage on both. For the Eagles, DeAndre Swift is really kind of playing more into that kind of one-a role uh, on from the from the rushing side for the Rams. Kyron doesn't matter if they're saying they're trying to get like Ronnie Rivers more. Kyron is still kind of getting a massive workload um, for Kyron. Like he's now the third most expensive running back on the slate at sixty-seven hundred, and going against a Philly defense, like I think people might be a little off of him despite that elite role. Um, so that's something that I might be looking at. Uh, for the passing games, so Puka always a smash. Expecting him to be high owned. Um, now, if Cup somehow is active this game, I'd actually be more excited to probably pay Puka, uh, play Puka, assuming that hey, this gets his ownership, gets people a little off of him. Um, just in concern with the Cooper Cup side of things. On the Eagles, I think Jalen Hurts to, to uh, AJ Brown will be the most popular stack from this game um we saw how much it went off last week aj brown normally isn't like the most used stack partner because i th- i think it's just because like as as his hit or miss when really it should be the other way because when aj brown hits like he has huge games but because it just happened and if you look at the price aj brown is eight thousand. devonta smith is 7400 i'm not sure anyone's gonna really want to place uh, devonta smith at 7400 i think he's got very low ownership so that might be a unique way to kind of go with the jalen hurts devonta smith stack or we can also take a look at that Dallas Goddard because as we said, like, hey, we've heard it from the coaches. There's a squeaky wheel narrative. They want to get Dallas Goddard more involved. Uh, so could this be a kind of unique way to get off the chalk at the tight end position and go uh, Jalen Hurts with Dallas Goddard? All right, that is all for today. Hopefully this is helpful for you. Hopefully you all have a fantastic week and see you at the top of the, of the leaderboards in these DFS contests and rainmakers and baseball and everything that you are doing. Um, if you're watch, if you're reading, listening to this on Thursday, I mean, I guess enjoy the Thursday night game, Chicago, Washington, maybe use the time to maybe spend some time with family. Um, not going to be the most exciting game in my mind, but, uh, Hey, it's still NFL football. Uh, so probably at least going to have it on the TVs anyways. Okay. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Best of luck. And I will see you all Monday for the weekend recap later.